right to ask a personal question here. And by personal, I mean it's about football, but it's really not. It's more about the person. Because I don't have this answer. Maybe you do. So I'm going to ask it of you. What is it that you, the general you, not everybody, but seemingly the majority of you, don't like about Mason Rudolph? Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. I don't have a bias here. I don't have a uh, preconditioned response to anything regarding Mason. I've had nothing but professional dealings with him. He actually happens to live kind of close to me, and we've had a couple of pleasant hellos and stuff like that. It's not like I know the guy. It's not like I have some concept of what it is that makes him tick. But I also don't know what it is about him that ticks so many of you off. I don't get it. Is it that he's not Ben? Is it that there's a perception that he and Ben didn't get along? Is it that it seems like Mason didn't give Ben the proper respect on his way out? Or does it have nothing at all to do with Ben? And does it have everything to do with the fact that when he was thrust into action in 2019, he did more bad than good? My Guess, although again, I'm leaving this answer ultimately up to you, which you can share with me any number of ways, depending on where it is that you find this show, whether it's you know on our website, DK Pittsburgh Sports, you can put it in comments. Uh, if it's on YouTube, there's a comments area there. Let me know. But what I think it is, because it almost always is this, when it comes to professional sports, is performance-based. When Mason was drafted in the third round in 2017, and there was an immediate, immediate pushback from Ben. Wasted a pick. Should have gotten somebody to replace Ryan Shazier. Never mind that that's all probably a fair point. But right off the bat, there was this cumulative sense of, well, on one hand, yeah, Ben's right. Should have gone and gotten a linebacker. But two, hey, maybe this guy's pretty good. And then word starts getting out there that the Steelers had, in their own draft room, hung a first-round grade on Mason. They thought that highly of him. Then you start going back over his film at Oklahoma State, and then you remember the game that he played at Heinz Field against Pitt where he and James Washington were just dropping bombs on the Pitt Panthers, and then maybe you start building him up a little bit, and then 2019 does come along, and it doesn't go particularly well for him in any capacity, not least of which was being slugged over the helmet, knocked out cold, Remember when they had to take his helmet off and he looked like some dude from the 1940s with that single 
thing going across his face. Then Miles Garrett conveniently accuses him of racism like five days after the fact. And all this other drama ensues. And then he finally works his way back. I remember this like yesterday. Works his way back that season. Gets out there. This was against the Jets in East Rutherford. And makes some beautiful plays. Beautiful. And has his non-throwing shoulder ripped apart and can't finish the game. And I remember Mason sitting in the locker room. Just by himself, the shoulder all bandaged and iced up, as you can imagine. Just looking straight ahead like, what the hell have I gotten myself into here? What is this? And it's that. It's that season, I believe, that's most responsible for the disdain and the distrust that people have of him. As a person, not just as a quarterback. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Let's not pretend that the evaluation of the person, the evaluation of the quarterback aren't very, very closely related, okay? We will overlook lots and lots of flaws in human beings if they can play football for us at a high level. Mason didn't do that. Mason in that season represented, embodied the loss of hope. He was the one who, as soon as he took the field that day in Santa Clara, even though he'd performed mostly well and almost beat a group of 49ers that would end up in the Super Bowl that year, he let us down. He reminded us, especially the older ones among us, of what life is really like without that franchise quarterback. The big gap between Bradshaw and Roethlisberger and all of the various horror stories that are stuck there in the middle. He became that guy. He could have been something else. He could have won a few more games. He could have stayed on the field, never mind that his injuries were hardly his fault. He could have set up a real live and fascinating competition between himself and Ben. He didn't do any of those things. He didn't do any of those things. And then after that, if you think about it, he really didn't even get onto the field. He had the one game against the Browns in which he played reasonably well, but came up short in large part because the Steelers were sitting a lot of their starters, including Ben Roethlisberger. You know which game I'm talking about. He had another chance this past season. That didn't go all that great either. Again, it didn't go badly, but it just didn't go great. And the only thing we're going to accept as Pittsburghers, as people who love football in Pittsburgh, from the quarterback position is greatness. That doesn't make us anything special. 
It just means that we believe there's no other way to succeed in the NFL other than to have a great quarterback. For the most part, that's correct. There are exceptions, but for the most part, that's a hard point to argue. That, to me, is all he's done. I don't see what it is that people would not actually like about him. He's a likable enough guy. And I thought in 2019 that he showed more than a little moxie, including how he handled the Garrett crap. And I grew to kind of like him that year. But you don't. You don't. And I want to hear why. I really do. I want to hear why. And you know what? We can talk about it on tomorrow's show. I'll go through some of your responses, some of what you have to say, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it. When we come back, just one question. J1Q segment. Today's comes from Ryan Lytle, and he asks, DK, do you think Terrell Austin made a difference with Akella Witherspoon? I thought Witherspoon was the ball hawk we'd been missing over the second half of the season. Yeah, he, he was. And I don't know that that's because Witherspoon came on as much as it was that they finally started using him. Um, I was a little bit surprised that the Steelers acquired this player and he came with a real resume and they didn't seem all that interested in using him. And it wasn't until he was out there really when they didn't have much of a choice and he started making plays that everyone went, Whoa, Hey, this guy's, this guy's actually here. Oh, this is real. So I, I don't know how much I want to give to Austin on that front, because without being able to peel back the curtain, there's no way to know if Austin could or should have been pounding the table to get this guy on the field sooner. I do know that Witherspoon, super bright guy, great interview, has spoken about Austin's impact on him. And remember that Austin didn't have anywhere near as much time to coach up Witherspoon because of his late acquisition. So he deserves credit on that front. But, you know, where I give Austin the points here, more than anything, is just with the group overall. If you show me a positional group where the performances are either right in line with your individual slash collective expectations or above, I'll show you a good coach. I'll show you someone who has a way of teaching things to a group of players while also improving them in isolation. I'll give you an example. And maybe this won't count to a lot of people because when we think of coaching up the secondary, we just think of one thing. It's are they covering people or are they getting interceptions? But this secondary was tasked with something very different, maybe more than any other secondary in the league this year. And that was that they had to get up to the line of scrimmage and make up for garbage play at inside linebacker. And to an extent, garbage play on the defensive line, although you can only use a term like that so far whenever 
Cam Hayward's part of it, and Cam was absolutely incredible. I'm talking about the other guys there. The Steelers needed both Terrell Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick to get up there, and they needed them to perform at an elite level when it came to tackling. They became the team's principal run stoppers. I'm not saying that because I think it. I'm saying that because of the tackle count that proves it. Game after game after game, it was Minka and T.E., Minka and T.E., right at the top of the tackles. Now, you might remember that early on, Minka struggled with this a little bit. And Minka was not known as some superior tackler coming out of college or while he was in Miami. So it looked like there was a deficiency there. Well, guess what? The deficiency turned into a real strength. Ultimately, the credit, as with Witherspoon, goes to the athlete. But some of it, some of it, has to go to the positional coach. It has to. What about T.E.? So you can say the same thing about him. More as it relates to pass coverage and making splash plays, but he did those things too. So I have a hard time believing that he would have that kind of impact, Austin would, on your main safeties, on your corners, on your nickel corner, the way Arthur Millette came along, and that he wouldn't have been responsible at all for Witherspoon. I hope that answers your question. Uh, Again, without my being a fly on the wall in the DB's room, I can tell you again that these guys believe in Austin and that Witherspoon himself gave credit to Austin. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. And remember, I want this Mason feedback. This has to come from you. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.